In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our stated mission as a church includes the charge to, quote, work and pray and give for the spread of God's kingdom. We regularly instruct people with some detail about how to give and how to pray. But what about our spiritual work? Pentecost is an appropriate time to begin a discussion about this, about our spiritual gifts, which are the unique way that the gift of the Spirit is manifested in each believer. Before we can understand our unique spiritual gifts, we have to have an understanding of the nature of the gift of the Spirit and how the gift of the Spirit reorients our lives. The gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost is the remedy for sin. The spiritual death that resulted from the first sin resulted in the breaking of the, of the union of human beings with God, and this union was through the Spirit. Thus, as the Spirit is given to the church on Pentecost, this life-giving connection to God is restored, and the effects of sin are reversed. The objective sign of the gift of the Spirit, the way Pentecost comes to each of us, is in the water of baptism. From the beginning of the church, baptism was completed by the laying on of the bishop's hands, what we now call confirmation. God conveys the gift of the Spirit through sacramental signs so that you can know that you've been given the gift of the Spirit, so that it is not a matter of whether you think you have or feel you have at some moment in time, but there's a sign which conveys the gift. Of course, receiving a gift does not mean that you will use a gift. Baptism is the beginning. The question is, what is God doing in your life right now? The bishop prays over those who are confirmed that they may, quote, daily increase in the Holy Spirit more and more until they come unto his everlasting kingdom. The first sin and the spiritual death that resulted from it had notable consequences. The first humans blamed someone else for their behavior. Then they began to hurt each other. Cain killed his brother Abel. And the first murder was tied to worship. Cain made an unacceptable offering to God. And when God rejected his worship, Cain took it out on his brother. Sin disconnects us from God and leaves us in a state of emptiness and neediness. We attempt to meet our needs at the expense of other people. We deny our own guilt by blaming other people. We deal with our pain by hurting others. This is our inheritance in Adam. Fallen human beings have an emptiness that must be filled with something. 
and that something ends up being the various idolatries and addictions of the human condition. The gift of the Spirit reorients our lives away from these patterns of sin and back towards love for God and love for our neighbor. When we stop blaming others and take responsibility for our own behavior and turn back to God in faith, God gives us his spirit and restores us to a relationship with him. As Jesus said in the gospel, quote, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. As the Father and the Son come to make their home with us through the Spirit, our lives produce a different kind of fruit. The Spirit fills the empty places of our hearts and begins to heal the wounds of sin. Our interior experience of God's love and grace is manifested outwardly in acts of love for others. Instead of inflicting our pain on others, we share with others, we pass along our own experience of grace. As St. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, quote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and giver of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The word for comfort in this passage is the verbal form of the noun paraclete, the very word that Jesus used to describe the gift of the Spirit. We are comforted, strengthened, and healed by the Spirit so that we can be agents of comfort, strength, and healing for others through the Spirit. Worship and prayer are the foundation for the exercise of our spiritual gifts. God fills our emptiness and heals our wounds in a progressive manner, not unlike the way an antibiotic slowly kills the infection in our bodies. In the liturgies of the Christian life, we continually bring our disordered selves to God, who continually forgives, heals, and strengthens us. As we daily increase in the Holy Spirit more and more, we grow in both our interior healing and our exterior love for others. The sin of Cain, as noted, the Bible's first murder, was rooted in his refusal to worship God with his whole being. Our ability to love others is dependent upon our worship. When we neglect to worship God as we ought, we lose our ability to love others. The first and great commandment is to love God with all your heart and soul and mind. And the second commandment, 
to love our neighbor as ourself is dependent upon that. Mere philanthropy can never reach the heights of agape love. Love for others is built upon love from God and for God. There are, of course, errors in the other direction. Our prayer can be self-centered. Interior peace becomes the goal. <clears throat> we have no concern for the brokenness of the world around us. And thus there are really two errors in the extreme. One occurs when the church neglects its worship and its life of prayer and gets caught up in various forms of activism. The church reflects the anxiety and busyness of the world rather than the peace of God. The other error occurs when the church is absorbed in its own spirituality and has no ministry to others outside of itself. In its authentic form, the Christian life always begins in worship and in prayer. Then the grace that is received, the love that is experienced in that prayer and worship, is manifested outwardly in good works done for others in love. And the absence of either of these in the Christian life is a serious defect, even a heresy. We often approach the topic of ministry by focusing on what the church is doing for people. The church develops a program and then recruits its members to give their time and labor. However, ministry works best in the other direction. You are the church. As you pray and experience the presence and grace of the Spirit, the Spirit will naturally move you into loving action towards others. This is not just volunteer work at church. Your ministry is your total life in Christ. It is who you are and what you do at home, at your work, in your leisure, as well as at church. Your most significant ministry may be the way you manifest the presence of Christ in response to challenging circumstances at work or in response to a difficult spouse in marriage. Doing what is right and encouraging others in response when others do what is wrong. The worst kind of ministry is when we do wonderful things at church, but are dishonest, cruel, nasty at work, at home, and in other places of our lives. The ministry of the church is the sum of all the work of the members of the body of Christ. Some of that takes place at church, but most takes place in the world. The best ministry in the church occurs when there is a pooling of the spiritual gifts of the members of the church for the sake of efficiency. When we can do something better together than we can separately. The worst ministry is when the church decides it should do something and then pressures 
reluctant volunteers to do things that they don't have the time, the gifts, or the desire to do. But of course, there's also the sin of sloth. You must be willing to use your gifts, and you must be willing to give your time to serve other people. Your spiritual gifts are the unique form that love takes in your life. Some people have a gift for service, for doing acts of service for people that are often not seen. Some people have a gift for giving encouragement or wisdom or for teaching other people. Some people have a gift for giving money. Some people have unique gifts for intercession. What are your gifts? What form does the love of God that you experience with the Spirit of God, how does that manifest itself in your life? What is the shape of your ministry? What new things might God be calling you to do? These are good questions to ask on Pentecost. We experience God's love in the sacraments and in our prayer. How do we share that love with others in tangible forms of action? In Eucharistic terms, as you receive the love of God through the body and blood of Jesus at the altar, consider what are the good works that God has prepared for you to walk in? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.